Hello and welcome to episode 8 of the Huddersfield Town Social. My name is Greg Mara. Joining me as ever, Cameron Pope and Ian Kilroy. Gasquet's back with a very scary Tony Soprano behind him on Zoom. And a debutant in the name of Adam Priest. He used to be uh, an admin on Down at the Map back in the day, didn't you, Priest? God, that's about 10 years ago now. Um, God, yeah, that's a long time ago, yeah. Terry Acosta Army, bringing back the years. Um, Huddersfield Town yesterday succumbed to a 1-0 defeat to Norwich. It was perhaps a better display than most people were expecting, but didn't stop a mistake from Richard Stearman costing Town what would have been a well-earned point. Gentlemen, it a highly frustrating game in the sense that Town walked away with nothing, but on the flip side, a highly positive performance under Carlos Corberan. Well, in the risk of being too positive in the wake of a defeat, uh, it was definitely an encouraging start to the season. You can't ignore the fact there were some seriously strong individual performances, some hopeful signs from the youngsters at a time where we really need the youth talent to come and step up to fill the breaches in the first team. However, uh, having been at the game in the press box, I will always be haunted by the smug win on Delia Smith's face at that 80th minute goal. And the key for me is, OK, don't get me wrong, a defeat is a defeat. However, also, I should add, we need to find some threat in front of goal as a matter of urgency. However, despite the result, it's definitely a step in the direction that we want to be going in. And to be honest, I don't think anyone was expecting anything quite like that, us being in the game at 80 minutes. Well, I, I, I was thinking I might go last because I was going to listen to everybody else's positives before I started talking negatives. <laughs> You'd be surprised to learn. Um, you know, positive, we, we played okay. You know, I guess it shows how low the standard's fallen that we take passing the ball to each other and only losing by one goal as a positive. Um, you know, I think, I think you could see what Carlos was trying to do. One thing I did like was his bit of tactic now where, where we had Toffolo coming inside and picking Campwell up when, when they had the ball and Dear Carby filling in at left back. So, you know, Corbrand's shown a little bit of willingness to, to try something different already. But, you know, we've got zero threat in front of goal. Haven't had since God knows when. Since before Wagner, really, we've not had a threat in front of goal. And we continue to be ineffective and not address that. Uh, I know we're going to come up to transfers in a bit, but... You know, you look at that squad, you look at that bench, and it just shows how weak we were yesterday and how thinly spread we are. Going into the game yesterday, I thought I thought we were miles away. I thought we were miles away from competing at the championship level. I think if you did a quick ask around and and um, collected together everyone's predictions for the scoreline yesterday, I think three nil probably about fair. I think that's what people expected. To be fair to Norwich, they had enough chances to put two or three away. I think their xG was. Like 1.36 or something. There was a couple of penalty shouts that I thought would have been fair. Um, they counted well against us again, something that we've struggled with for years. Um, they broke through really quickly. But it was clear yesterday that Town now have a definitive style. We were talking about it before of all the jargon that the club was using to sell this new vision. And, and we've, we bashed that quite openly and, and quite harshly. Um, thinking it was just words. Yesterday, you could actually see it. And, for, and, and to, to be honest, guys, I, I'm, not, we, I, I'm, I'm pretty excited about what I saw yesterday. Um, there is, we are toothless in front of goal. We cannot create anything. We know that. But that's not new to us. We knew this before yesterday. Um, we've only brought Danny Warden as a striker. We've lost Mounier. Grant, he's not playing at the moment. He's as good as gone. 
they're all arguing about how much money he's going to go for. As, as we mentioned last week, he needs to go as soon as possible so we can reinvest and bring in goal scorers or, or, and chance creators. But um, we, we know we aren't anything in the final third and that costs a lot of money to do and it's hard to change it without bringing in new players. So what we can we look at? We can look at the first couple of um, thirds in the field and at the back, I thought we were really much better going forward. Um, when we were in possession, it, it changed from a back four to nearly like a back two. We were like a two-five-three formation with the fullbacks pushing on so far. Um, it really helped on the right-hand side and the left-hand side. Diakabi looked like an actual player for a little bit. And when he filled in at fullback, he looked okay. Peeper, he came in. Um, it reminded me a bit of Jack Hunt, to be honest. He's very attacking. Uh, positionally in defence, he's only played one game. He's only been with the training for a few days. So it's a bit harsh to, to call him out on anything. But um, I found him lacking defensively. But... With this style of football, if, if as people are talking about, we're looking to bring in a, a number six to, to drop in between the two centre-backs when we do push forward so people doesn't have to get back so often, um, maybe that's okay. But there was a distinctive style change. It really, it, there really was a difference. There were overloads on both sides of the both wings. I thought Karoma was a bit of a bright spark yesterday. I thought he, he, he's, he's played one game at championship level or something for before, not, not many games. And yet yesterday, probably the most threatening we had. Um, and you compare him to like Pritchard at 13, 12, 13 million, it's, he's a world away from that. He actually creates chance. He did create a few moments. We had one, one half chance. I thought it was in when, he's, when he smashed it just past the left-hand post from outside the box. A bit Grant-like, to be honest, if we're looking at him. And um, I don't ever think he's going to be a centre-forward, so we have to address that. But as a wing, he might be a solution to a, to a question we, we have there. Um, but overall, it was okay. It was okay. Um, and I think... With a striker playing yesterday, we might have nicked a goal earlier on and it'd be a different second half. Norwich came out as when we started tiring because we pressed so well um, for 60 minutes. But with, like we've said, there's, there's no depth there. So you look at the bench, we had two centre-backs on the bench. There's no point ever having two centre-backs on the bench because they can't, you rarely need two of them. But we had no one else to put on there. Um, Danny Ward's injured, Campbell's injured. We're left with no one already, first game of the season. That's what needs to happen. We need to go out and sort that out right now. But for a first game of the season against a team that just been relegated from the Premier League, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't as bad as people are, are going on about. And, and to, I can see a, a really big change in the way we play. And it's not sideward change either. It's not Wagner football. It's a different brand that with time and money might work. I actually enjoyed watching it. I thought it was quite open. And I first put it on about 10 minutes in. Uh, it'd been interesting to be in the crowd in if that had made a difference. So I think town always do better when they feel that they're underdogs. So I, I never thought we'd get slaughtered because every time I feel town gets slaughtered, they never do. But you could see Norwich in the second half, we felt they brought through quite a few times. My concern is it, it's quite a few parallels to the start of the Wadsworth reign many, many years ago. We changed from Mikare, like a quite steady manager, getting results. And then they said, well, a lot of fans find it boring, so we've got to go for something a bit more passing. And we brought lone players in. There was nothing up front. And it's quite a lot of parallels that obviously, hopefully, it might not be the same thing, but I can, you can see what the flaws are in the team. Like I said, it's early days. So, and I did like that new Spanish guy. It looked quite exciting. So, he was getting down the ring so much, and his crosses were pretty decent. And it looked like we're getting more players into the box, which is good to see. Yeah, early days, but. There's another negative. The new shirts and the numbers are horrendous. <laughs> Could you see him in the ground, Cam? Because on the TV, oh. it was awful. Tell me about it. From a commentator's perspective as well, it is a nightmare. We, we put, the first thing we remarked about when the teams came out onto the pitch in the first half was Janino Bakuna being number seven. 
the seven is the exact diameter of that middle stripe and it's obviously dark blue on black they need a patch on it like you can't see it you can't see it so i mean maybe from a design perspective they look nice and look funky but in terms of practicality i mean i'm sure match officials have the same problems you can't tell who's who and especially when you're lining up with new players because the first game in season is always the hardest to prep for um, especially when you've got new personnel coming in especially when you've got young lads on whom you might not have very much information it was a nightmare and I, I don't know who signed up on that but god i really hope it's a one season thing and nothing more it's the next 10 years covered then <laughs> no i put this on twitter the number two looks like on, on people's shirt looks like zorro's branded it it doesn't look like a number two it looks terrible, and I, I know we should be complaining about town, but Jesus Christ, EFL. It's not hard to get a number, like regular numbers. They've never done that well. I didn't like the last batch anyway. It was good when we were in the Premier League. But anyway, that, that's another time for another whinge. Um, just looking at certain perspectives from yesterday, and, and I'm going to harshly pick out Alex Pritchard again. I think he's had quite... Sometimes I think he gets a lot of stick just because of the price he costs, but you're looking at someone in your midfield to be that creative bright spot. For me, in that game, he didn't look remotely, I'm not going to say interested because I think that's very harsh for people, so he's just not interested, but he, he just didn't, he's, he's not the player that we thought we were getting because we all remember when he was at Brentford and we could have signed him back when Mark Robbins was boss, but he just didn't suit the system in my in my view. I mean, he certainly puts a shift in and no one can question his commitment nor his effort. He certainly tracks back well. But on the ball, I'm failing really to see what he brings and I'm starting to run out of patience. I think there's been a lot, uh, a lot of players who have performed, who've performed better in a town shirt consistently um, and have been chastised and castigated more for an off game than, than he has. And he's got a fairly easy ride, I think. I think really now... In this first half of the season, we really need to start seeing some end products. I mean, okay, he can link up well on his day at the edge of the box and everything. I know that him and Karoma came together a couple of times to thread a few balls through. But when the ball comes to him now, I feel like the, the tempo slows down. It's like having an attacking hog. Um, and I know that, okay, because of his stature and his diminutive like, figure, he's not going to be an aerial presence. You lose that, you lose that already. Um, okay, he can whip a good ball in from a corner or give him that from his set pieces. But then, you know, we saw the best and the worst of that yesterday. Um, I think a lot of people are starting to lose patience with him now. For somebody who's playing in that position, the quality of his first touch is awful. There was one that was passed to him. He got, I think, Roma played him in in the box. You know, his first touch wasn't great. Then he dwelt. Then he thought about it, and then he got his shot off, and he got blocked. Now maybe that's a bit of confidence, but you know, in this in this attacking style that Corbin wants to play. No, that, that link, that number 10 role, if you want to call it number 10, is, is probably one of the most key. And and he's not of the standard that you're going to want to be able to play that role. Compare him to Hernandez, who plays a role in the Leeds team. You know, I'm, I'm all right. I know Hernandez is a Spanish international and a, and a Premier League player now. But, you know, the way that he links, the way that he looks for the ball, the way that he takes it in and is on the half turn and is able to play somebody in down the side, there's none of that with Pritchard. I'm with you. His back's always to go. Never takes it side on. His first touch isn't great. And, and also, as you say, he's always looking backwards or sidewards and not forwards. But maybe it's confidence. I've got a mate who's a Norwich fan, and when we signed him, he did say to me that he flattered to deceive. And that seems to be coming to pass a little bit now. Should have gone for James Madison. Ah, hindsight. What a wonderful thing. We've commented before on the speed of our centre-backs. So, again, I don't want to 
be a, a negative. But Stearman and Schindler last season, the reason we played very deep, uh, every time we pressed, we got taken to pieces. Remember not even Forrest away. I was quite surprised at uh, how Stearman and Schindler performed yesterday, bar the obvious mistake. Um, is that realistically our long-term partnership? Because um, obviously we brought in Naby Sarr from, from Charlton, who um, for, all, <laughs> for all purposes seems to be a bit of a cult hero there, but not sure about his quality, even though I believe he's got two French caps, which surprises me. Um, I might be under 21 caps. Wikipedia, that's, that's that. Blame you for that. But um, is Schindler and, and, and Steeman our best option going into the season? No, I don't think we'll see it again. I think Naby Sars come in because Romani Critchlow underperformed against Rochdale. He's inexperienced. We spoke about that again last week. Um, he made a few c- crucial errors that um, didn't end up costing us the game, but could have done at a championship level where people take most chances when they're offered to them. Like yesterday, one bad back pass from Stearman and they're in. That's all it took. That split the two teams yesterday. One bad mistake. Um, Stearman and Shindley yesterday, I thought they were all right. I think they were okay. Um, they were saved a lot by Pieper and Toffolo, though. They covered them a lot with the counter-attacks. Um, Cantwell, he might have chucked a nice elbow in on Stearman, but he was, also, he was pivoting really well in the centre midfield position to help the counter-attacks. And they broke so fast. And we got lucky somewhat in that it never really just quite worked its way out for Norwich. Otherwise, we'd have been um, further behind than we were. I think Naby Sarr's coming in to start. I think that's clear as day. Um, and I think in time, I don't even think Schindler will be starting next to him. I think um, both centre-back positions will be changing. Again, there was talk of that, uh, looking at bringing in a six to play between the centre-backs. Um, as to move to a three in, in defence when we break forward. Apparently, that's what happened a bit in pre-season. I can't see it. I can't see it with the players we've got in midfield because Johnny Oak can't do it and he's still one of the most important we've got. Um, I don't think we'll see that this season, and, but, but we may, may do next year. I think this season's a year of transition and we're going to try and bring in players um, who can get the job done now in, a, in like a, a bit of a bastardised system that might not be the exact system Corbyn wants to play, but what he has to play with what we have. Um, and yesterday, Stephen and Schindler was all we had available by a couple of young lads on the bench that were either unfit or inexperienced and not ready to start against a team that were in the Premier League last year. Um, so, yeah, I, I, can't, I can't see it happening again, um, even though, realistically, they did okay. Better than we, we, we saw them do under the Cowleys, to be honest, when they were pressing high. Um, but, yeah, they're, they're not. It's not there. Once, once centre-backs hit the 30s, they kind of drop off a cliff a little bit with pace. And it might not be the fastest centre-back ever, but the reaction, something changes in them. And really quickly, they just drop. And um, we, 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 Schindler and Stearman both seem to be going through that at the same time. So, um, yeah, an alternative uh, centre-back pairing is required now. I think as well, Stearman, to me, uh, I was quite surprised to see his name on the team sheet. But uh, I think, if anything, he played like a man who knows he's about to be replaced. Uh, and, and to be honest, um, I said this after the game, I thought that he had probably his best game in a blue and white shirt for 80 minutes and I know you can't play your best game for 80 minutes I know you know we all know this and we've seen you know to our detriment what what can what can happen if you switch off or if you're just not with it um but you know for that first half and for the first half an hour of the second he was everywhere you know he was on hand to mop up from another um goalkeeping area from uh, from Ben Hamer when he spilled his shot um possibly a, a goal saving challenge at the end of the first half 
um, with Dowell coming down the right, flew in uh, at pace to, uh, to intercept on the counter. Uh, he seems to be everywhere. He covered every blade of grass in the penalty area. I was really, I felt confident with him. I thought he played well uh, off Schindler. He seemed solid as a rock. Uh, his clearances, his heading. I was really impressed with him. And then, you know, what happened with Cantwell was unfortunate. I, I don't think it was a red. I think that seeing the replay, I thought Cantwell, he's looking at the ball. You can't put your arm up like that. And he's definitely clobbered him in the face. Like you could see from the way he was lying prostrate on the floor for a good two minutes, um, something was wrong. And to be honest, I think he's been a little bit let down there by his coaching staff. The only thing that I would say we did fundamentally wrong yesterday was not whipping him off straight away. We still had a change left because we made it after the goal. And with this, the speed at which, you know, Campbell was getting ready, he was getting ready as the goal was going in, really. Um, it seemed that was that was premeditated. And so, really, you know, if he'd held up for the next passage of play, he would have been off the pitch. But he wasn't right. And I'm not saying, OK, he was, so we're not going to play a Loris um, Carrius card and say, oh, you know, he was concussed or whatnot. But he'd taken a blow to the head. He's had a good game. He was flat out on his feet. I think he should have been whipped off and we carry on. You know, as we said, we had plenty of defensive cover on the bench. Uh, but 10 minutes to close the game out, I think he's been let down there. And, you know, I really felt for him. He was absolutely disconsolate. Um, I don't know if it showed it on the TV cameras. He punched the dugout when he came off, really slapped it. He was like straight head in his hands. Like, you know, there was no consoling him. Um, and he probably, because he knows he's not going to get many more chances, but, you know, Saar is still quarantining for the Brentford game. Am I right? So, Maybe another chance for him. I don't know. Again, now, it depends if his confidence not shot through. But from that first 79 minutes, I thought, OK, if this is the guy we've got coming off the bench, because I agree with Ian, I don't think he's going to be anywhere near the starting 11. But, you know, coming on, I'm, I'm happy that if that's what the level he can reach, I'm, I feel confident with him as backup. Well, he's got to be on a wedge as well. Like, we signed him on a two-year contract, did an 18-month deal. So he's on a pretty decent wedge. He came from Sheffield United. He wasn't on, he wasn't on pennies. So we're going to have to use him um, because we don't, we don't have those money. But you say he played really well for 79 minutes, right, Cam? But he also nearly gave another goal away. There was a corner that went in and Zimmerman had a free header after he did to um, Stearman what happened last week to Schindler against Rochdale. I know you're in the stadium, so you maybe you don't have the benefit of the replays. But the corner came in and Stearman's absolutely lost him again from a corner. So we could have lost 2-0 because of two mistakes from Stearman. And that's his legs. It is. It's just, it's just his energy. Whatever it is, when you get late in, on in a game, your, your mental capacity, it may just drops a little bit once you get, again, you hit your 30s. It just changes. It changes for them. And um, the back pass he did, I, obviously he got hit hard by Cantwell and he might not have been all there. But the back pass, if you look at the angles again on the TV, you can see Pookie's like in between another Norwich player and, and um, Hamer. I don't think he saw him. He didn't see them. He didn't just underpass it. He didn't see him. And he thought Hamer were going to get there. But Pookie was in full flight from the off. And he was never not going to get it. Um, it was just a, a clean mistake, unfortunately, by a guy that was actually pretty solid by a couple of mistakes. But that's this level of football, isn't it? You're playing at the championship. It's one of the toughest divisions in the world to, to get out of and to stay in. And a couple of mistakes like that, and, and you're struggling, especially when you have a team that does, doesn't create very much like us. So um, he's going to be a decent alternative for Schindler, but the pair of them together, you just can't see it. Is he is he quickly slab then from Chan? Because he's a big unit, he's six foot five, isn't he? So he's going to be a physical presence, that's for sure. The Charlton fans, certainly looking at the social media reaction, were gutted that we managed to swipe another one away from them, another cult hero. So. They were none too happy, but my assumption would be that he's going to add some pace to that back line. But he's 27, so you know when you talk about the strategy that we thought Phil was following, which was young kids, somebody you might be able to turn in two years, three years for you know a three, four, five, ten million pound profit. 
this guy doesn't sit in that bracket. So, I, I mean, I can see with his physical attributes, I can see how he fills a gap in our squad, but he doesn't follow the route I thought we were taking. So, you know, I think I'm with you. I think both centre-halves will probably get changed, not in this window. I think Schindler's probably still got this season in him before they turn him. Um, and if you believe the rumours, he would have been gone in the summer as well. So that would have given us even more of a challenge. Romney Critzel looks a prospect, but he looks a long way from being championship ready. He needs another season of men's football somewhere to give him those, uh, give him that confidence perhaps and, and that physical strength he's going to need at that level. With Naby Sar signing though, are we getting to the stage where obviously we, we see I know Ian's called it the Peterborough model, which probably is the, the, the fairest way of putting it, and not the Brentford model. But is it just a case we needed a body in? You know, it, fair to say we've been linked with a couple of Premier League loans. Not sure if one was a, was a centre-back or not. For me, it just seemed like they've run out of options because um, a, a free signing on someone who's... Largely spent most of his career playing League One, not not the Championship. He played two seasons in the Championship and a handful of games for Sporting and Leon. And our town were in for um, another foreign defender who played for Reading before. Is it Thiago Alori, I believe? Um, it just seems like it's plan C or D, and because of, because we've had to shift players. To, to get the wages down and then we still can't shift certain players our wage bill is going to be very I say fraught this season given the, the loss of parachute payments are we are we looking at going into the next three or four weeks just signing whatever we can look Phil's a clever bloke and he's learned from last season I think last season we tried the same thing I think we brought lads in pretty cheap from League 1 League 2 and we tried it a little bit then, and it didn't work. And Phil were clever enough, to be fair to him, I don't give him much credit, but for that, he made the change pretty quick with Cy. We saw him have the nice 45-minute phone call while the media were waiting for to interview him after the Lincoln game. He was straight into it, and he changed it. And then in January, we bought him players fit for purpose to keep us in the championship. Last week against Rochdale, people can try and say it's a preseason game. It didn't really count. But we all saw... Town fans saw the centre-back was a big weakness and that Critchlow wasn't ready and two slow guys wouldn't work. So the club have gone out and, and made best of the position that we're in and they've brought in a guy that can help us right now. Long-term, I think you bang on. It doesn't suit the style, that, the model that we're after. But it's easier following that model in the championship and bringing somebody in like him, like Star, who's very experienced um, and, and capable at this level and, and definitely helps us in our challenge to stay up this year only helps us long-term if, if we do so. So um, I think it's a clever move. I think it might not be necessarily the model that we're after, but um, if it helps us now and, and helps us long-term, then win-win, win-win. It definitely makes us better, not worse, Ian. It's a, it's a signing that adds to the squad and, and, and I can see the reason why we've signed him. So, you know, I think it, I'm with you. If it's a, it was an effective signing that, that gets something in return, then that's a thumbs up from me and actually gives me a little bit more confidence because I was concerned it was going to be a load of 21, 22-year-old kids in Premier League loans. And you've got to do with that. It, you know, I, I take Greg's point. He's played the majority of his career at League One level. But, you know, he's experiencing English football, which again for these foreign lads can be quite unusual. 
I think, sorry, I think it's good signing by the looks. Charlton fans are like 50-50, they seem to be, their reaction. It seems he has a good pass, good left foot, can ping a ball, and it might be an attacking centre-back. It might be what Carlos wants to do, I think. Like I said, I think it's a good signing, because I think all of football is in trouble in the lower leagues, including us. So I think it's just, we've got to make do and be clever and be canny. I think as well, a lot of the, it seems to be, um, we're buying a lot of raffle tickets at the moment. We're spreading his bets. And I, I spoke last week about how we need to start thinking about quantity uh, as well as quality. Okay. We, we've let go of about 15, 16 players. We've brought in four. Okay. And so if we're going to bring in, we're probably going to have to bring in nearest double figures, I think, at least to have the depth required. Okay. I know we've brought a few young lads up, but some of them are going to have to depart to go out and learn for, for necessary experience. Uh, and so, you know, Nabi Sar. Not gonna lie, I didn't know much about him before before we were linked with him this week and etc. And uh, while well, okay, he's not got a bad CV. Um, yeah, it, it didn't strike me as someone I would have thought would be uh, would be linked with. Um, but you know, if we're bringing in 10, 11 players, okay, we, we're kidding ourselves. We think that 10, 11 we're going to get a cut at this level. They're going to be useful for the whole year. Um, so it's nice to see we're going for a different, a bit of variety. I feel. Um, it's a different sort of player. Who knows? It may work out. I think, okay, we can afford to be experimental. He's got some experience, which isn't something I think we have uh, a lot of. Um, and so, no, I, I'm, I'm pleased with it. I'm just, I do, I can't shift the, the nauseating feeling that it is a little bit haphazard. Uh, not to mention the fact that we're announcing these signings. I mean, people was announced in the dead of night, about 10.30 in the evening. And this one was at 8pm. So, I don't know, it does nothing to shift this amateurish vibe you've got going on around the club. Um, but okay, last week I came on here wanting more transfers, step in the right direction. I just hope it continues over the next three weeks. How many do you think we need? So you said double figures. So we we look at the Norwich game as as a proper basis of what what we need, and I think centre back we're pretty much full up now. Um, the back four, I you know you got Jaden Brown and the Dehaney is back. Is it a case of the attacking third where we desperately need signings? Um, and do we take Carl and uh, Grant's advice and trust the process in this, believe in our transfer committee? Because, you know, it, what we have going forward seems to be what will keep us up in this division or not. We, we take shots at the transfer committee because of Mbenza and Diakabi. Like that, that, that's where it comes from, isn't it? Like they, they were atrocious. And Pritchard, right? That's where it comes from. We spent 50 million on crap, right? That's what upsets us. Um, However, they're still there, so you have to give them the chance to get it right. And I think, again, we spoke a bit last week. This is the time. They've got to get it right now. We reckoned um, people was brought in by um, Corbyn or some of his coaches, but Bromby's come out and he said that the club identified him. And that's really important. People shouldn't miss that. If the club haven't identified him, I'm not sure it necessarily will be all that way, but if the club have done it that way, then they've got to be given a chance to bring in the right guys because he looks like he's, he'll, he will be an asset, right? Um, we've not seen uh, Pereira or Popadon hands as, as people at Hearts have been referring to him as. But um, so far, without seeing him, we're one for one this season. And that, we, know, we know what Danny Ward is. We know what he's going to give us. So two for two there. Um, but for me, I think we've got two players in every position in, in, in defence and, and the defensive roles of midfield that, that are okay. But I think we need four guys, realistically. I think we need four guys for depth. Because I don't think we've got a centre-forward bar Danny Ward. And he's injured already. So, again, we spoke of it before. 
it's all right bringing one guy in as an attacking central midfielder, but when he's injured, then we've got nothing then, and then we're going to struggle again. So for me, I think you need two attacking midfielders. I think you need two ESR kind of players, hopefully one on a permanent, one on a loan from a Premier League club. Um, the problem is with loans, when you bring guys in, they are inexperienced. So for every ESR, you might get three Willocks. And okay, Willock had a couple of good games for us, but realistically he didn't deliver what we wanted week in, week out. And I'll eat my words when we sign him back this week for another year, and he's amazing, and, and that's on me. But um, two attacking central midfielders. If Grant goes, we need another winger that can bag a few goals. Um, Karoma might be that guy. I, I was really impressed with him against Rochdale, and yesterday more so. I don't think he's a nine, but he got into channels. He just, he just caused a little bit of problem. He asked questions with other players that we have can't do. It's just a bit of a nuisance, and, and that does create chances for teams. Um, so two attacking midfielders, a winger, and a striker, and that's at a minimum. But I think that's a realistic, a realistic ask if, if Grant can go as quickly as possible. So we've got time to bring people in. Now, if, the longer we wait, the fewer players are available. That's what people miss. It's already saying we need to wait for 19 million, 80. No, 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 no. 15 million now, when players are still available, is worth more than 90 million on the last day of the transfer season when we can't bring anybody in. That's the worry that it happens on the final day of the season. We need goals now. We need to get it done. We need to find a way of getting it done now. But on that point, it does come a bit strange to, to see one of your players doing that over Twitter. Hey, Caroline Grant, hashtag trust the process. Because I, I'm with you. I, I, I don't. Is it really worth the sake for an extra million to, to, to hang on for another two weeks? Because you're looking at uh, players that uh, rival clubs are signing, you think, well, he, Jacob Brown went to Stoke. He could have done, he could have been very good for us. I know, I, I know people on Twitter were like, well, he's earning rejects from Barnsley, but I think he got four goals and 10 assists last season kind of the thing that we need at this club and he's, he's a local well, he's a local lad he's from Halifax I think and, and that, that's the kind of perfect signing we need but because we don't have them funds because you've still got people on Premier League wages including Carl and Grant in this we can't bring those two, three, four signings that we urgently need so I'd, I'd love to know why the club haven't um, I mean the club have been very closed off anyway for the last, last two, three months ever since uh, Devo came out and uh, gave us all the rallying cry and, and promised us a video about the training ground, which never arose. But the, the, there's, there's something not quite right at the minute and I just can't put my finger on it. And I'm not sure what it is. And it, it's frustrating as a fan. Um, and it's, I think it's frustrating because it, this feels like two years ago in the Premier League. The season starts in a couple of weeks' time and we can't... We can't let that happen because we need those bodies in now. And it's a bit worrying that these bodies ain't coming sooner. Well, we've got a tough game next game. I can easily see us being zero points after two games, possibly zero points after three. So, you know, we, we, we desperately need a boost. The fans desperately need a boost. You know, I think the signings have been all right, but nothing to get anybody out of their seat. I guess we've got to set our expectations I doubt there's going to be a marquee signing anywhere. Um, and I guess Phil's hanging on because a million quid in the current climate with the potential loss of um, more lumps of, um, of Premier League money coming to us is, is a lot. You know, a million quid will, will go a long way when you've got nothing. So, I, you know, I, I, I can understand his reticence to sell anybody for less than the worst. 
But your point stands, Greg, is, is what will it cost if we get relegated for hanging on and missing out on the targets that could have made a difference? Um, and with Ian, I think we need three or four attackers. What was noticeable yesterday, again, was the number of bodies that we got in box into the box when we got into good wide positions. The problem we've got is the people that are getting into the box don't have that goal scoring now. They're in a midfielder amongst them that will nick six, eight, maybe even ten goals. And that's that's you know that's gotta be key because in Corbrand's um setup, your number nine isn't gonna score 25, 30 goals a season. It's not that kind of football. Um the one that that we sort of skipped over really is goalkeeper for me. I think we brought this lad in. We had didn't play him yesterday, which was a real surprise to me. We went with Hamer. Hamer had three things to do. One, he couldn't save the goal. You know, there was nothing he could do about that. He had two fairly easy saves to make and, and spilled both of them. And one of them, if Steve Manant had cleared out for a corner, the, the Norwich bloke would have stuck it in the net. So that continues to be a worry for me. I think goalkeeper is a really weak position. But Hamer's a dear Carby slash Mbenza. He's another one of these that Corbrand's been told, we can't afford to get rid of him. You've got to make do. So I can't see another goalie come in, but it does feel like a weak link in the team still for me. It's almost like we need a, a, a Michael Collins kind of midfielder, somebody who is going to get in the box because when you when you play the, the, the shape that, that Carlos Corbran plays, you are ultimately reliant on the front three all contributing 10, 10 12 goals a season. I can't really see. I mean, I, I think Danny Ward can, can do it. We've seen him score loads of goals before. You know, I always felt that he was best as a second striker when he, when he played for town with, Na, with Naki Wells back when uh, Matt Robbins was here. But those goal-scoring midfielders, they're very hard to come by and unless I think it'd have to be a Premier League loan um, to, to achieve that. It's it's the wingers I'm struggling with and I, and I think we said this at the end of last season. Wiggering on all sorts. I think, is Anthony Pilkington still available? Because I'd take him back. He can cross the ball, and we haven't had anyone that can cross the ball for, well, probably since Gary, Gary Roberts left. So, you know, that's, I can't believe we just haven't gone in gone in on Wigan. I know it's, it's it's nasty to say that we should be doing that on a, on a team in administration, but there's loads of bargains to be had there. Like Dickens' real deal. Yeah, I feel sorry for Wigan because they were superb after lockdown and I think Leeds took one of their young strikers for next to nothing and oh, what's happened to Wigan scandalous but I feel with the current climate I think there's got to be a lot of clubs that are seriously going to be struggling. I think if we could just survive this season somehow even if we get relegated I think that'd be a big plus. I know that sounds really negative but I just feel the way football's going to change massively in a couple of years. I don't think it's going to be recognisable. I know it sounds a bit dramatic, but I could just see B teams being introduced because all the top clubs now, you man says, have got so much money. Their B teams now, in a year or two, could probably compete with us, if not now. And that wouldn't have been thought of like five, ten years ago because you reserve team was your reserve team. So I've just got an inkling, I hope I'm totally wrong, that a lot of teams will be taken over by... Like, I think of a team like somebody like a Rochdale might become a Man City B team. Yeah, the way around the feeder club, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. It's a bit sad to be talking about this when we should be talking about town because you, you know, the way that most clubs at this level have been surviving for the last five, six years is to be signing three, four, five Premier League loans. Well, look at when we went up. Oh, Izzy Brown, Casey Palmer, Aaron Moy were all Premier League loans. And you look at 
you know, even Leeds United last season, use them as an example, players like Ben White. Um, I just hope that, that we, we've done our due diligence on signings because there will be Premier League loans out there. And I, it's the only reason I, I, I have a little bit of hope because there are a lot of talented players out there that we, we could bring in that could definitely help us in that, that attacking third. I'm not sure we could afford to sign them at the minute. I know Carl and Grant's, if you say it's 15, 16 million, you know, realistically, we're not going to be spending all of that because you've got wage, the wage bills the key thing in these signings and you've got it, that'll be over a three, four year deal. So you'll have two, three million to spend this season. Max, I don't think you can get the quality that we need for two or three million anymore. And we were very lucky to get Carl and Grant for the price that we did um, back when we were in the Premier League because he was running out of contract. So looking at the current climate, looking at the current market, I'm not sure where town could go, to be quite honest. It's going to be more free transfers. That's the only way we can go. We missed out on Wigan, like we said. That's the problem with waiting to sell players for the most. We missed out on Kiefer Moore, who would have been a great signing. Like yesterday, I was looking at Chef Wednesday and um, Jordan Rhodes bagged. Easy Brown set him up and Josh Windass bagged. <laughs> that's, that's, we are worse now than we were the year before we were at Wagner. We're actually in a weaker position when it comes to squad depth and squad quality. Um, but like you say, there's still players, there are players out there because the market's so stagnant. But we're stagnant as well. So um, it's, it's, it's going to take the transfer committee pulling up the socks, doing some wonderful scouting without being able to leave the country too much and going to quarantine. I think we're going to be relying on YouTube videos again, aren't we? And to be fair, Nabi Sar's got some banging YouTube videos. He had a goal that he's taken from, from centre-back and ran all the way up the pitch and bang it in. Bit like Pete was the furthest forward. He started the move from right back, and the next minute, he's um, in the opposing half, trying to just about to go through on a one-on-one. Um, we just—it's <laughs> going to take something special to achieve this year because of how hard it is with coronavirus. It's just made everything so much difficult, and for a team that needs to change as much as we do, it's made uh, a nearly impossible task even even harder. So um, nobody knows. Nobody knows how it's going to go this next month um, because. Everyone's been waiting for the first transfer to fall in and everything else to kind of move on um, for the money to fill it down for the Premier League. But Premier League clubs aren't spending that much money at the moment. Apart from Chelsea, who I think might even be buying me and anybody else who plays football at this rate with, with, with the way they've gone with them, Werner and, and everyone else. But um, look, it's, it, it's, we are in, in uncharted territory and um, it's going to just be a wild ride, isn't it? Well, we, you know, we, we can't be in as bad a position as... as you know, probably two thirds, three quarters of the championship anyway. You know, we, 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 we didn't make a loss last year. We've still got cash coming, even at a reduced level in terms of the, the, uh, the solidarity payments. You know, we've got decent transfer revenue outbound. So, you know, compared to some of this championship division, we're in a good place financially. Um, yet we still consider ourselves to be struggling to compete at this level. So it's a bit of a dichotomy, really. I think it's always going to have five or six where the owners have deep pockets and will continue to pump it in. You know, Sheffield Wednesday start on minus 12, yet they've gone out and signed a load of people on massive wages, which I just find a, a tad strange. But, we've, you know, we've, we've got to find a way. I'm, I'm, we've got to try and find a way to, to make this work for us, but quick. You know, we haven't got, I don't think we've got, two transfer windows to knock this into some kind of shape to making a team that's half competitive in the championship has to be done this this window. 
because we won't see two miracles like we saw last year. That, that's just it, though. What you've said there, guys, in the fact that you know there's a lot of teams worse off financially uh, compared to us in this division, and, and that's just it. The championship is such an unpredictable league because it, 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 it doesn't matter how good you are in a sense; it matters how good you are um, relative to everybody else. I mean, I look at the teams who come up. Last year, I think, and, and you know, Leeds United have got a lot to be thankful for because I think last year was one of the poorest championships in terms of quality that we've seen in a long, long time. Um, no one really had that run at the top. Um, everyone looked like they wanted to throw it away. Brentford obviously bottled them towards the end. West Brom and Leeds, they both wobbled at their own points. And, and we're still fine in the end. Um, looking at the teams that come up, you know, OK, Wickham and Robin faced each other. Wickham have lost. Coventry have lost in their return. Those are three teams that I think will come in and struggle. Okay, Wendy's, all right, I know they've um, made some headway, you know, um, back to minus nine points now. They're going to struggle as well, I believe. You know, I don't think, I, do I think they'll get relegated? No. But there's no annoying. That 12-point gap, is there going to be a 12-point gap between us and them at the end of the season? Hard to say, but, you know, that, that, that could be about spot on. Okay, they're going to be in the mix again. So, so really, you know, again, it, we have, all we can do is speculate. And, you know, we can all gripe and say that we wish the club was running a better way, because we do. Um, but then again. <laughs> Who's to say that, you know, we come up against... Because Norwich are going to be up there. Norwich are a strong squad, OK? I look at, I look at teams like Watford and I think, like, OK, Jesus Christ, you know, that's, that, that's a squad. But they're going to be, like, sniffing there in and around. And so I don't really worry overly too much until I sort of know what the bottom of this league is going to look like. I think we'll have a clearer idea soon enough. Um, we'll see who's at it and who's not. And for that, we need the transfer window to end. Um, but I, I think there's a lot of other factors that we can't control that will probably just be just as important in, this, in, in deciding a spate this season as the ones on the pitch and the ones you know in the transfer committee room. Stephen, uh, Stephen Chicken on in the Examiner. I was reading his article this morning. Actually, he he's posed a really good question, and that is, you know, are we perennial under you know underachievers? Sorry, perennial strugglers who are trying to overachieve to simply stay in this league. Or are we a team that should do much better, that should aspire to be higher due to the, the flirtation with success we've had recently? And actually, it feels like we've already gone back to being perennial underdogs who are desperately trying to fight their way to stay in a competitive league. And that's a pretty sad state of affairs to have changed so quickly. Well, that's what we're asking. Like, how many times can we ask the club, directly, indirectly? We want to know as fans, right, what is the mod business model we're following? When Phil came in, he said he'd back it to the same levels as Dean Oil. That's what he said, right? And that was always within FFP. It was a loss of, was it $5 million a year, I think, at that point. It's changed now. But that's the investment that Dean Oil put in for us, and that's now why we're having to pay it back off. But all of a sudden now, it seems to be going towards a more break-even model, and that is a massive change in approach. That, 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 depend, that decides if you're perennial... Uh, strugglers or, or underdogs that, that, that's what decides that because it comes down to money the club can say it doesn't matter how much it's not about throwing money at the problem everyone knows my belief money does matter it, obviously you can overachieve on what you spend with a good system but it still takes a base amount of money to achieve that's why Harrogate are in the championship that's why York are in the championship that's why Forest Green Rovers with their amazing vegan approach that really does get the most out of players for whatever reason Steeman would probably do well there to be fair but um Whatever reason, it works, but to a certain level. And then once you reach that level, you can't go further. Crew did it for years. They made the championship with an uh, approach that might not be uh, the best talking about it, to be honest. Um, and then we had, um, 
we had Peterborough that got to the championship on 5,000 fans and, and bringing youth players, flogging them for like a Somba longer for two, three million at a time. They, they churned them out all the time and it worked for them. But it still takes a basic level of investment to achieve at a certain level. We are not a top 30 club if this is what we invest. Not long term. They're dreaming. That's nonsense. And I don't even know if that's in the charter anymore. Um, so we are underdogs when you look at the money we're spending if we are looking at breaking even. Because Huddersfield Town, traditionally, to me, have a fan base of 10,000 to 12,000 paying fans. And quite a high proportion of them are children because we give away a lot of cheap season tickets to children. We do all the family clubs in the morning, the breakfast clubs, and that's great. It really gets people involved. But financially, it doesn't help the club as much as an adult going to, the, to, to each game. Um, so again, it's really important to understand what kind of investment Phil is putting into the club, if any, and, and what the plans are going forward. And unfortunately, until the um, accounts are shown next year and the year following, we won't really know until the parachute payments stop and all we have to fund the club is the income from championship television money, if we're still in the division, and um, supporters um, paying for iFollow at this rate, I think. I, don't, I think it's going to be uh, pies and programs anytime soon. So um, it's going to be an interesting, an interesting uh, release of accounts for the next couple of years, for certain. It's sad, though, because you, you kind of think of it as a poison chalice. That Premier League money was supposed to be, what, set us up... Don't really say like you know like an inheritance. It sets you up for life. You buy a house or something with it, and in, instead, but I just I can't help but feel that first season was amazing. We stayed up, but you know how much better off we, would we have been if we'd just been relegated in that first season? And it's sad to think like that because you would have hoped that the second season you get more parachute payments coming down in, should be more money for the club, but. You know, everything goes back to recruitment in that second season. And it's quite sad that a year, just one fatal error of signing two or three players on, on big wages and big money. <laughs> you know, love, lovely Ramadan Serbi, who's, who's uh, I think, uh, was it Radio Leeds, as Johnny Buckham put on, to 1.4 million in appearance. And it was four sub appearances. So you have, you have <laughs> million pounds and minutes paid for him. Is an absolute shocker, and whoever suggested that signing, you know, I've played enough football manager to know he was never that going to be that good. Um, anyway, looking forward to Brentford. Um, it, shockingly, I believe they lost yesterday. Um, I was very surprised about that. You'd expect them to be up there again, but then, then again, they've sold. Ollie Watkins is going to Aston Villa. Point will be good, won't it? I was reading some. Brentford fans' reviews, and they said they have a problem against poorer teams, and they consistently lose 1-0, because I think we beat them last season, didn't we, at their spot? 1-0? Yeah. Because um, they're, they're a fantastic passing outfit, but is their mentality great? You know, they got in that position last season, they had, they were catching up, and then end of the season, well, they just lost it, didn't they? Because West Brom were not doing great either, so I think... I don't know. I think we could get something. I don't know. It's like I said, it's very early on in the season. Football's in a stasis. I don't know. Maybe we'll win, maybe we'll win, lose badly. I think it'll either be a 1 0 win or a 4 1 defeat. Yeah, you've got a score and a goal. Brentford absolutely battered Birmingham yesterday, though. Brent, Brentford were unlucky to lose that game. They, 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 I think, they, again, their expected goal was something like two, two and a half, three goals or something. They created so many chances. It just didn't work out for them. Just one of those games, unfortunately, we as town fans have seen a lot, a lot of over our time supporting the club. They're, um, they aren't in free fall. 
they are not in, in any sort of free fall. One bad result for them isn't the end of the world. Um, and it's the first competitive league game in a new stadium. There might not be any fans there, but they'll be up for that. And um, if any team doesn't deliver on the big stage, historically, um, we, we know which team that is. And, it, and it's not Brentford. It's not Brentford. I still remember playing Doncaster in their opening game in their new stadium. That didn't turn out great for us either, did it? So I think we don't have a great track record doing new stadiums. So I, I, I can't see, honestly, I can't see anything beyond a, a Brentford win. I think we'll do like we did this week. We'll give it a go. I'm sure Carlos will try and get his ideas across. We'll start to see some of more of that perhaps coming together. Um, but I, I just, you know, the best I'm hoping for is we'll, we'll back a goal, maybe two, um, and, and at least give Brentford a bit of a game. I'm the same. I can see us getting on the score sheet. I think, to be honest, given the quality that they've had and that they've kept, I believe we'll be gallant in the feet. Um, I can see us getting off the mark. Hopefully, Wardy will be fit again. It's a shame that Cyrus still obviously going to be uh, uh, sat in his hotel room on his own watching on iPhone, like the rest of us. But um, I don't know. I think we might see the return of Stearman again. I think he probably did enough there. Um, I could probably see him filling in against Schindler once more. Um, O'Brien, I hear, we hear that he's near in fitness. I think he will be a big addition once he comes back in, a bit of a catalyst in uh, midfield. Up top is the main is the, is the main one, though, and that's where we really need Wardy back to fitness. And so, I don't know, it depends what Brentford side turn up. It depends what their pre-season practice has been like, because it always does in these opening games. So, prediction's always hard. I'm going to say we lose 2-1, if I'm honest. I don't really see us going down there and getting a win, but then those aren't the games you expect to be winning. Um, and you know, to coin you know the old phrase, it's not the games against the top six that keep you up, is it? It's the games against the teams around us, if that's where they consider we're going to end up. But you know, have to go there, take the game to them again. Uh, I was impressed with the positivity, and it was certainly encouraging signs. I was certainly impressed with um, Carlos, not only with his stonewashed chinos, which I thought were very nice and very smart, but also his communication. He wasn't taking any shit. I was from Bakuna as well when he tried that stupid no look pass in the first half. Um, so you know, I've got more confidence than I would have done. Uh, going into a similar fixture at the end of last season. But, you know, do I think it's too early for us? Yeah, just about possibly. And going back to that first game at the Keatmore, who was it that got um, the first also red card at the Keatmore for us that game? Am I right in think it was Christian Pierce? Or am I, no, I think he only played against Southampton. Uh, anyone, anyone stick on who that was? It's a little nugget of trivia is bubbling away in my head and it's going to frustrate me if I can't remember it now. I have a bad feeling it was Adnan Ahmed. It was 2006-07 season. Adnan Ahmed, that's exactly who it was. Pakistan International. There you go. <laughs> well, at least it can't be as bad as going back to those days under uh, our mate Andy Ritchie. Although he did win quite a few games, looking back at his win record. Well, Preef, thank you very much for coming on. It's nice to see your face again. Thank you for having me. Pleasure, mate. Ian, Cam, Gaz, all the best again. Um, I suspect all we can do this week is trust the process. So um, thank you very much for listening. And uh, until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.